one of the things that I would say to people is timing the market is really, really, really hard. But time in the market is probably what you want to focus on. Now, yes, you want to sell the top and buy the bottom. But I think more importantly, you don't want to end up in a position where you're sitting completely on the sidelines waiting for some signal that maybe never comes. That was Gavin, I'm Rish, and welcome to Tomorrow's News. In this week's episode, Gavin answers a question from the BFA Discord server and tells us what he thinks the most mispriced asset class is right now. Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. Hi, Gavin. How are you doing? Morning, Rish. Morning. I'm here in Chile, but not as chilly as perhaps Melbourne, Sydney. Nice. Uh, blue skies. Um, so feeling pretty good. How are you? Good, good. So we had a question on our Discord, and I would like to mm. talk about that today. Tony asked, um, well, said that he's interested to hear your thoughts on Nigeria as economic superpower of the sub-Saharan continent. It's already one of the top economies, but what are the chances it can capitalize on its population growth and overcome corruption? So this is an interesting question because, I mean, like when I did some of my research around this, uh, most of the outlook on Nigeria seems a little negative right now from the World Bank, from the AFTB. It looks a little negative right now. But it's also interesting in how Tony, or I guess anybody, defines how you would define an economic superpower because capitalizing on population growth and overcoming corruption seems to be the struggle in a lot of developing nations at the moment. So I guess he's looking for like a more long-term view. Like, what do you think about Nigerian sub-Saharan economies? Sure. No, it's a great, it's a great question. And look, I'm not a, I'm not an African expert or an expert on on African economies. But a couple of observations you might make. The first one is, um, as you look at Nigeria, and and in fact, on that same chart that he's referencing around population shifts, and you look at Democratic Republic of the Congo, these are commodity-rich economies. So if you are somebody who looks out in the future and says, what matters most is the underlying commodity asset base of a nation, then I think Nigeria is pretty interesting, right? As, as is Angola and the rest of West Africa, because they're oil rich, right? Now, can you translate that population growth, so a young population, vibrant population, along with a valuable underlying asset base into sustained economic growth. Well, history would say that what that requires is generally a strong political underpinning of rule of law, right? Much as we find in the US or Europe or, or so forth. And that you require economic stability so that people can invest in business infrastructure. They build factories versus just trading commod, you know, trading commodities, trading stocks, making short-term merchant type transactions. They build real economic infrastructure. And that 
in order to have that confidence, they acquire a strong set of um, private property rights, reduction in corruption, and, and so forth. So is it possible that Nigeria could be that country? Yes, it's certainly possible. Um, I just wanted to jump in here with a couple of things, actually. Just going back to Tony's question, right, of whether Nigeria could be or is the economic superpower of the sub-Saharan continent. I think the other question is also, in sub-Saharan economies, what would Nigeria be competing against or what would the other major players there possibly be? Yeah, well... (laughs) Look, I'm no expert on Africa. I'm not an expert on Nigeria. But I think that chart around population is interesting. And if you step way back, thinking about Africa as a continent, Africa is actually underpopulated um, as a continent. Now, it just happens that a lot of people live in you know, urban areas and there's crowding and, and, and obviously all kinds of attended issues. But, but the flip side of Africa, of course, is it's commodity rich. And, and Nigeria, Angola, you know, that entire Western African um, coast is, is oil rich. And now, unfortunately, you've got all kinds of ESG issues, all kinds of corruption issues, which have caused a very uneven distribution of the wealth from those countries and to their population. But um, if you were to make the argument that the next 50 years is going to be dominated by people that control commodities versus people that control sort of currency, which is an argument that sort of very asset-focused folks make, then you would you'd bet on Africa. And the other thing you might argue is, well, can Africa really capitalize on its population growth? You know, hasn't happened in so far, but um, perhaps you know it's worth contemplating that that is a undercurrent of economic potential and growth that is um, certainly underappreciated by global investors. Now, the history—you know—interesting to just lean on history for a moment because historians have said for a long time that if you actually looked at Brazil and the U.S., I think around about the 18th century or something, you would have bet on Brazil. You would have said Brazil will be the new superpower and the U.S., you know, would, would lag behind. What would that be based on? Well, you, based, on, based, on the commodity, based on being commodity rich, right, and having a very large population, right? right. I mean, population really, it does matter. You need lots of young people to keep feeding, feeding growth. Obviously, it, it can reach too far, but you do need, you need population growth. Now, historically, what people have said is what corrupted Latin America's success was corruption and instability and political instability. And what, what has helped the U.S. was uh, effectively a rule of law. And so the question for Africa is, can Africa develop enough stable political entities? Can it stave off corruption to create uh, more evenly distributed wealth? And I don't know enough, but I think it's a really interesting question. Sure. I mean, but the idea of like evenly distributed wealth, like I don't know if that's really the case in most countries that have growing economies right now. And I hear your point about the corruption and political stability, right? Countries that tend to be resource rich, that have point source resources, 
tend to also have more political instability and more economic instability. There's also like that history of exploitation and the growth they're trying to like maintain. But I think just compared to like their neighbors and other sub-Saharan economies, Kenya seems like a space to watch. A lot of these countries have younger populations, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also comes down to how an economic superpower, like, you know, what the criteria would be for the economic superpower. Because are we looking mm-hmm. at startups that are coming out? Are we looking at what sort of technology and infrastructure is happening? Like, you know, so I guess depending on that, there are a couple other players to look at as well. Sure. Yeah. I don't think people really care who's the biggest economic superpower in Africa. Like, Mm -hmm. in a way, I would say, who cares who it is or isn't? It's who is it relevant relative to who are economic superpowers today, right? So it is interesting. It is very interesting and uh, don't have the answer. But I think if you're very focused on asset investing, looking at, at, at hard assets like commodities like oil or copper, then I think you'd be pretty inclined to look at Africa quite positively. So you had a question, Chris. Yeah, I was actually going to throw you back one of your questions, mm. which is, what do you think is the most mispriced asset class right now? Oh, that's such a great, such a great question. What is the most mispriced asset class? Um, well, probably bond. And I think I'm a consensus view there. I think, you know, U.S. 10-year treasuries are probably the most mispriced. Um, I also think that it is quite possible that the US dollar is the most overpriced and therefore making the Australian dollar, as an example, one of the more underpriced assets uh, around, as an example. But yeah, I don't think equities are massively undervalued as an asset class. I don't think that, you know, gold or Bitcoin are massively undervalued. I think that there are trades to be done there. But I think the big arc here will be that inflation is going to come down quicker. The Fed will pause faster. Bond prices will increase and yields will decline as as we see a rapidly softening economy. Thank you. I also wanted to ask, because I know a lot's been happening. Is there anything else you think I absolutely should know? Yeah. What should investors know? Well, investors should know that, you know, every period, of course, is unprecedented in some way. Uh, Everybody talks about unprecedented this and that, and everyone talks about perfect storms and so forth. And this period is not unlike others. We've had unprecedented speed of the Federal Reserve and global central banks pulling financial liquidity out of the system. They have vastly quickly reduced the amount of capital that has been floating around. They've done it in a variety of ways and they've done it across the world. They've done it because inflation, to some extent due to that, the world being flush with capital has been out of control. And so now you say, well, what do you do, right? What do you do with risk assets? What do you do with your assets? And I think it's easy to listen. You know, one of the saws is that Pessimistic people always sound smart, but in general, the market goes up, right? In general, things turn out okay over a long enough period. 
And one of the things that I would say to people is timing the market is really, really, really hard. But time in the market is probably what you want to focus on. Now, yes, you want to sell the top and buy the bottom. But I think more importantly, you don't want to end up in a position where you're sitting completely on the sidelines waiting for some signal that maybe never comes. And then you you get chased in at the wrong moment. So it is quite possible that we see another 20% decline in the S&P. I think that's less likely from here because while I wouldn't look at, you know, the old highs and so forth, what I would look at is that the general tendency after a period of extreme tightening and reduction in the indices is that we see normalization of returns. And I would say probably double digit, call it 10% returns over the next six to 12 months, which is pretty good. Now, remember that's the return on an index. If you look at many of the stocks themselves, many of them are down you know, at, at new lows. I mean, and you can see some stocks bottomed, you know, Roblox, a favorite of mine in the gaming space, bottomed uh, sort of low 20s, now trading around about 40 bucks. I mean, that's a heck of a return in and of itself. I wish I'd bought it at 20. I didn't. But, you know, within every market, looking at the indices can deceive you to what has already occurred in terms of the destruction of capital. And then on the flip side, where investors might be too bearish about the future potential of those businesses. Thank you. And that's tomorrow's news. For more conversations like this, join us on the BFA Discord server at the link in the description. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.